Bobcat fans. Support both your favorite team and Montana State students. When you shop at the student and faculty-owned MSU Bookstore, your purchase lowers the price of course materials for Montana State students. Montana State is in the midst of a historic year, and the MSU Bookstore has everything you need, from jerseys to garments, t-shirts to sweatshirts. You can also find the vast selection of Bobcat gear online by visiting msubookstore.org. Help students excel and look your best in blue and gold. The MSU Bookstore is your Bobcat gear headquarters. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here on your Wednesday. Miss anything in hour number one. All sorts of Super Bowl talk, which will also be a theme of hour number two. Brooks Nuanas, Skyline Sports, joined us in studio to talk our way around the uh, Super Bowl, some of our earliest Super Bowl memories, some of the matchups in the big game, and uh, also... Uh, some of the best bets, both prop bets, betting lines, totals, all that sort of stuff. And we also heard from Mike Anderson, the head coach of the Grizz hockey team. All of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by the M Store and the MSU Bookstore. Keep those texts coming in, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. We got five, count them, five sets of 11 wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. It's our 11th anniversary so every 11 minutes, 11 wings, courtesy of the Despo. We're going to be in the middle of an interview here. So we got three more sets of 11 coming up. Keep those texts coming in. The first three texters, 406-888-1029. You'll be entered to win 11 wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill in commemoration of our 11th anniversary here uh, at ESPN Radio. We're going to dive right now into our ESPN Roundtable. ESPN Roundtable, our long-form conversation uh, each week is presented by Paradise Falls of Missoula. Paradise Falls, located on the south side of town. They got 30 big-screen TVs, 18 draft beers, plus breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We'll have all sorts of food and drink specials coming up for the Super Bowl. So if you need a place to watch the big game, head on over to Paradise Falls, 3621 Brook Street. Appreciate Paradise Falls for the continued support of the ESPN Roundtable. Go down to the Rangers Boys Army phone line. Welcome in. An old friend of mine, a guy I haven't talked to in quite some time, but a guy who I loved listening to tell stories back in our days in Bozeman. It's Ted Dawson, former sports director at KBZK Television there in Bozeman, and the first guy that ever put me on TV. Teddy, what's up, man? How you doing? Well, all of this interview is going to end right now because I just found out you moved to Missoula. And now that you're on the dark side, I want nothing to do with you. <laughs> Well, that's uh, awesome to hear from you, man. And uh, we are statewide, so have no fear. We got good listeners over in Bozeman tuning in as well. So uh, I always loved your passion for for your hometown teams (laughs) over there in Bozeman. So first of all, just give people an update. I mean, you were on TV statewide for a while here in Montana. So what's been going on? I know you're retired. How's that been treating you? Retired? I came to I live in Boise, uh, Idaho now, and uh, I'm addicted to Netflix. (laughs) <laughs> That's my big passion. Well, I love it. Well, good good for you. Uh, we used to love our Wednesday luncheons down there at Montana State when we were both Absolutely. in Bozeman. It was so fun, and I, I miss seeing you. I miss all the stories. But that's sort of the entry point to this because I remember one of my favorite stories. I loved hearing you tell it whenever you did. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it just a second. Sure. I want to say something first. Sure. To your audience. And I've known this guy for uh, over 10 years now. He is the best, the best sports reporter in Montana, bar none of any medium. He is the best. And even though he's moved to the dark side, 
I still say this guy has more sources, more contacts, more information, more good facts than anybody in Montana. So I'm honored to be with you today, Coulter. Well, thanks so much, man. I appreciate the kind words, and uh, I got a lot of advice and mentorship from you once upon a time as well. So <laughs> couldn't have done it without you, man. But, I mean, just tell people about that. I mean, take us back to the, sort of the beginnings, the origins of your career. I mean, because you worked, what, five decades in television? So uh, you had the great I honor, though. 54 years. 54 years. That's amazing. Well, tell people about yep. that, that very first Super Bowl because, I mean, I told the story to the listeners the guy who's holding the microphone there for Vince Lombardi in the locker room interview after the very first Super Bowl, that's you, Ted Dawson. So just take us back to those days. Okay. It was 1967, January of 1967, and uh, Super Bowl tickets went for $12. Imagine what they sell for now. Unbelievable. $12 in 1967 at the L.A. Coliseum. And those of you who don't know, between Green Bay and Kansas City, and, but even at that price, they couldn't sell out the Coliseum. They couldn't even come close to selling it. So the NFL wanted to look like it was full. So they invited everybody with a recognizable heartbeat and a Kodak camera to come and cover it. And I was a young 23-year-old, 23-year-old sportscaster in Reno, Nevada. So my news director and I flew down. I was a pilot. And so we flew a private plane down to Los Angeles and uh, went to the Coliseum and uh, sat in the end zone where I just so happened to sit next to Bob Fouts. Now, many of you won't know that name, but you will know his son's name. His son, who was Dan Fouts, the Hall of Famer in the San Diego Chargers. But Bob was the play-by-play announcer for the San Francisco 49ers. And he and I had been at some celebrity golf tournaments. In Reno. So after the game, he says to me, you want to go down to the locker room? And I said, yeah, sure. So he and I headed down to the locker room. And in those days, Vince Lombardi would close the locker room after a game. He didn't care who you were, whether you were CBS, NBC, or Jesus Christ, you were not allowed in the locker room. So the locker room was closed and locked, and CBS was in a commercial. Well, uh, their people uh, were stuck outside when when they opened the locker room. I was the first guy in. I was on the stage, and a CBS cameraman handed me the mic and said, "Kid, you're on. You got to do this." So I was the one that ended up uh, doing the interviews. Do you remember the first question you asked Miss Lombardi? Yeah. Now that you've had a chance to play Kansas City, how would you compare the two leagues? Remember, they were leagues. They were the American Football League and the National Football League. And he said, what the hell kind of question is that to ask, kid? (laughs) That was his answer to me. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I thought it was a pretty good question. Absolutely, for sure, because I, I, it is. It's worth re- revisiting. I mean, for the first one, I think yeah. five or six Super Bowls, it was not the NFL's championship game. It was the NFL versus the AFL for the Super Bowl AFC, title, yeah, right? Yeah. Right. 
It's amazing. And they, FC, and the AFC at that point, they had, they right. had actually combined at that point. Right. But, so, I mean, just taking it, just comparing that then to what the Super Bowl has become, I mean, that's a fascinating parallel, right? I mean, you're talking $12 tickets oh. and they couldn't even sell out the Coliseum. Now the tickets are like $50,000 to get any sort of a good yeah. seat. It's crazy. It, it is totally crazy. And Media Day, there were 12 people at Media Day. 12. The first Super Bowl game. And then I, I covered a total of 27 Super Bowls. It got to where I, I had a, a plan. I, my cameraman and I would always race out on the field and get the most important guy, from, like, say, Tom Brady was playing. You'd get Tom Brady first, so you'd be in, in front of line to get him, and then you'd go to the lesser-known players who had fewer media around them. And that's how we'd get our interviews. <laughs> it's a great strategy. Ted Dawson joining us here on the ESPN Roundtable, former KBZK sports director over there in Bozeman, Montana, as well as a guy who spent... 50-plus years covering sports uh, across the country, covered 27 Super Bowls, including the very first one. Uh, Ted, do you have any distinct memories from those 27 Super Bowls? I mean, what, what, is, what are some of the, the games or, or memories uh, or moments that stood out to you during your time with the camera uh, covering all those Super Bowls? Well, certainly uh, being with the Cowboys, because I was broadcasting their games, that was, those were great memories. Uh, a great memory was uh, Super Bowl three when Joe Namath invited me to come and just be on the sideline, not to cover it or anything, but just as his friend to be on the sideline because I had lined him up with a cocktail waitress at Lake Tahoe when he came up to play golf. It's a true story. So Namath uh, said if I could get him a date with this gorgeous girl, he would invite me to the Super Bowl. Oh, my gosh. And... That's what happened. Amazing. Amazing that Joe Namath at that moment in time would need help from anybody to get a date. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, you know, the uh, waitresses at Lake Tahoe, they had multimillionaires after them. Right. And, you know, it wasn't. Totally. Uh, so, just his southern charm wasn't uh, all that impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt about it. Uh, what about uh, just the venues? Because it's it's also moved all over the place. Is there any particular right. really good or really bad places that you covered it at? Or I mean, anything yes. that sticks out? Detroit. Detroit was horrible. <laughs> Cincinnati and San Francisco. And we literally, uh, we had to put uh, uh, those ice things on our shoes to be able to get around. It was just awful. Now, of course, they played indoors. Well, the game was fine, but all the leading up to it was just horrible. Yeah, they've definitely made a high priority making them in warm weather cities yeah. uh, this day and age. Yeah. Ted Dawson joining us here on ESPN uh, okay, Radio. Okay, another one that was kind of weird was the Rose Bowl. Because the Rose Bowl has tiny dressing rooms. I mean, there are high schools that have better dressing rooms than the Rose Bowl. And try to get in there after a game. Uh Oh, I should have written this down. I, the, the New York Giants coach at the time, I was in there and I'd been interviewing some players, all this kind of stuff. And so they'd kind of kind of cleared out the locker room. And he, I, I'm working my way back down. And here he comes out of the shower, bare-ass naked. <laughs> and I do an interview with him with no clothes on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Rose Bowl certainly hosted uh, several different uh, Super Bowls, so uh, f- certainly yeah. f- fun memories. Um, wh- what was the best just in terms of the game? What was the best contest that you saw? Oh, man. Uh Dallas games, a couple of Dallas games with the Vikings, with Buffalo, were really good. Yep. Because they came down to a unknown defensive back making three huge plays. That was the difference in the game. Because you so, were you were work, you were working with the Cowboys directly at that moment in time, right? Yes. Yeah, I was doing their games. I, I'm reading this fascinating book by Jeff Proben right now called Boys Will Be Boys. It's all about the rise of the Dallas Cowboys, and it's fascinating to think, too, just especially given the fervor and, and all of the hype and all of the exposure that's been attached to the Cowboys for so long. It's easy to forget oh, that. Man. I mean, when they first fired Tom Landry, that was like a sin against God, right? I mean, th- that was an unbelievable situation that then turned into three Super Bowls in four years. But, I mean, that was a crazy moment in, in uh, not only franchise history but NFL history, right? Absolutely, but it's what a lot of people don't realize, and I think has been forgotten, was that Jerry Jones, who was trying to buy the Cowboys at the time, mm-hmm. had told everybody that if he got the Cowboys, Jimmy Johnson was going to be his coach because they had played together at the University of Arkansas. In fact, there's a big deal about how they were roommates. Well, that's not true. They were roommates when they traveled on the road because their names, it, because uh, mm. they did it in alphabetical order and their names were were together. So they were roommates when they traveled on the road. But still, they were friends. And Jerry had always said that if he got the Cowboys, uh, he was going to hire Jimmy Johnson as his coach. And what a lot of people don't know, or at least don't admit, is that the minute Jerry Jones signed the papers to take over the Cowboys. He got in his private jet, flew to Austin. Because I was with him, I saw this happen. He flew to Austin, told Tom in person, and handed him a $1 million check. That happened on the day Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys. Amazing. Unbelievable. Ted Dawson here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, as well as SWX Montana Television and the ESPN MT app, telling Super Bowl stories here as part of our ESPN roundtable. Uh, it's probably not just from the big game perspective, Ted, but also just football in general. I mean, it's changed so much. In your mind, in your eyes, how have you seen the game change from those Vince Lombardi Packers versus those uh, you know, Hank Strom Chiefs to now here we are with Andy Reid, Nick Sirianni in the Super Bowl? Well, you can't touch the quarterback. That's the biggest difference. <laughs> At all, right? And and you can't really touch receivers. So that's a huge difference. You know, some of those Raider players, those were some of the great games. When the, when the L.A. Raiders beat Washington in Tampa Bay, uh, that was a great game that I, that I covered. Um, Marcus Allen scoring the winning touchdown and, uh, it was just, you know, trying to bring a receiver across the middle was, you took your life in your own hands. And, uh, you know, the abuse that Terry, uh, uh, Bradshaw took, I mean, he, he just got laid out and, uh, Troy Aikman, the concussions that he got, but you know, you don't, you don't ever see Tom Brady getting a concussion. 
It is. It's amazing the way that they've uh, evolved to protecting the quarterbacks. It, it's uh, yeah. certainly well, a, obviously it's been it's been good for the game because it's the most popular sport in America. Absolutely. I mean, did you ever think? I mean, by with, far with twelve media members at Super Bowl media day back then. I mean, now there's probably hundreds, if not close to a thousand media members now. Oh, did you ever think absolutely. it would? Did you ever and, think it would reach these heights? Well, yeah, I kind of did because it was such a big deal, and it was certainly a big deal to me. But I knew it would someday be a big, a huge big deal. Yes. And then the interesting thing is now they invite every nutcase. I mean, you know, when RuPaul shows up for media day, you know it's gone off the rails. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff they do now. Totally, everybody with. Everybody with a, a weird show shows up to do ask their questions like, you know, what coffee did you have this morning? Um, I, it just dr- drove me crazy when that started happening. The, totally. No doubt about it. Well, any other good Super Bowl stories to add before we get you out of here? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you a great Super Bowl story from Super Bowl one. Bart Starr was the most valuable player, and I did the CBS interview with him. I, I got a picture for you, somebody I can show you before. I'm standing between Bart Starr and Jim Taylor. And then later, after everybody had kind of undressed and gone left, uh, gone to write their stories, um, um, Bart Starr was still sitting there next to a locker, next to his locker, and still in his uniform. So. I had, I had always been a fan because he was from a really small town. I was from a small town, uh, Valley Center, Kansas, with 2,000 people. Uh, but I, the difference is I wasn't very good in football. I played college football, but wasn't very good at it. So I was really excited to see him and, and talk to him. <laughs> so I said, this must be the greatest moment of your life. And he gives me one of those stock answers, you know, that, that uh, players do. Like, yeah, 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 I, I guess it is. And I kind of got upset. I said, you've you got to be kidding. You're the most valuable player in the biggest football game of your life. And you're not more excited? He said, you know what? I'm going to tell you something. I've never told anybody this story before, but I'm going to tell you because I'm tired and I just... I just want you to know the truth. And no, it's not the most important uh, time of my life. It's not the most important thing I've ever done in my life. I said, you've got to be, what could be more important than this? And he said, well, three years ago, I was invited to come to a camp for retarded children. And I didn't want to go. For one thing, they weren't going to pay me. Secondly, training camp was going to start. I was just getting ready to start. Thirdly, I had just opened a new Lincoln Mercury dealership, and these kids were never going to buy a Lincoln or Mercury from me. So I turned them down. And he said, one thing they had promised me was a, was a nice fishing trip. There was a beautiful a trout stream next to this camp. And so I said, okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll spend 10 minutes and get some great fishing in and relax and be ready to start training camp. 
you know what? I went to that camp and I was absolutely right. Those kids did not know who I was. They were never going to attend a, a Packer game by a Lincoln or Mercury, and they still weren't paying me. So I was right. But he said, you know what? I've never been loved so much in my entire life. Not because I was Bart Starr, the NFL quarterback. Not because I was supposedly famous. But because I cared enough to just be with them. To help them. Is when I got there, they didn't even know how to hold the football. But when I lay, they said I was going to spend 10 minutes, I spent three days. When I got there, they couldn't even hold the football. When I left, they could throw it. They couldn't throw it very far, but they could throw it. So on the day he was the champion of the world, the best in the world at what he did, the greatest thing in his life was when he taught some kids how to throw a football. Not throw it very far, but just to throw it. And that's always been a guiding principle for me. To always remember that there are people who care about you, not because who you are, but because what what you mean to them, the friendship you bring to them. So it was always important, just as important for me to cover NS High School when the snow is about high to a buffalo, and it was to cover the LA Raiders or the Dallas Cowboys or the Los Angeles Dodgers or the Angels or uh, the Lakers, any of the huge teams that I used to cover. So I always thank Bart Starr for, for giving that guiding principle, and hopefully to this day, I still like to talk to kids. I like to tell them that they can accomplish anything they want to do. They can accomplish anything they set out to do, and that there are no barriers to them. So that's a lesson I learned from Bart Starr in a cramped dressing room at the L.A. Coliseum in 1967. What a story, man. Ted, you're the man. It's so great to hear from you, man. Thanks for all the kind words. Thanks for all the great stories, and uh, thanks for letting us bug you here on the Wednesdays. Great hearing from you, my friend. Thanks, buddy. Great talking to you, too. And, and isn't it fun? Uh, just, I'll add one more thing. Isn't it fun for, I assume, you and it's certainly for me to watch Justin Herbert and realize that at one point he could have played for Montana State? It's amazing. Because his brother was there and, and he thought seriously about coming there, but he decided he just wouldn't have enough time to spend with his brother. Yep. No, I love it. I love all those little connections. Thanks for being here, man. We really appreciate it. And uh, be well. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, thank you. God bless. There you go, Ted Dawson. I got goosebumps, man. What a story. That was a crazy good story about Bart Starr in Super Bowl One. Super cool, man. Really appreciate Ted for, for chiming in and uh, taking some time out to tell us uh, those stories. And uh, always, always love hearing Uncle Teddy's stories. He's just, just one of the best. Nuanas now, our ESPN roundtable Presented by Paradise Falls. Paradise Falls, go-to spot to hang out with family and friends alike. They're open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Plus, they have a full-service casino, uh, Sportsbet Montana kiosk. They got food and drink specials 
all the time. Great place to watch the Super Bowl. Great place to watch any of the sports. Go check them out. Over on the south side of Missoula, 3621 Brook Street, Paradise Falls, Missoula School's hotspot. More history, more hot wings. Next, keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day, every season. Playlist by Brooks Duanis. <laughs> thanks to Brooks for spending about 45 minutes with us in the first hour. And also thanks for the uh, song recommendations. Duanis now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Duanis, coming to you through the ESPN MT studio. It's our 11th anniversary here at ESPN Radio, so that means we got 11 wings every 11 minutes, courtesy of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. That's each Wednesday. Wing it Wednesday, anniversary style here uh, every Wednesday on uh, Nuanas Now. So, you want your chance to win 11 wings the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill? Call right now, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. First two callers, we got two more sets for you. 406 888 1029. Thanks to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for their continued support of us here at ESPN Radio. If you've been following along from time to time, we dive into this awesome book that my mom gave me called uh, The 100 Greatest Sports Heroes Life Stories of the Immortals of Sports, selected by America's Top Sports Writers. It's by Mac Davis. And, uh, the caveat here is it's from 1954, so it's very fun to see all of the people that were remembered as the great sports stars of the first half of the 20th century, and uh, also who we remember vividly still, who we remember partially, and also who we don't remember at all. We are 124 pages into this book, and the book is only 145 pages long. So we, we are about, I don't know, I'd say... 10 to 12, maybe 15 total subjects away from completing our task. It's in alphabetical order. We are on the S's right now. Today, we're going to learn about a couple of different people, uh, including John L. Sullivan. This is epic. This guy 100% had never heard of John L. Sullivan until I just read this. The Boston Strong Boy is his nickname. September 7th, 1892 was a black day for Boston, even blacker perhaps than the day of the infamous massacre of 1770. For in 1892, the great and beloved John L. Sullivan, native of Roxbury, a Boston suburb, crashed in defeat at the hands of a younger and more nimble adversary in a bout for the heavyweight championship of the world. For 10 years, the great John L. had held sway over the fistic world. There were 10 years of greatness, 10 years of triumphs over all opponents, 10 years of glory for the citizens of Boston, whose greatest hero John L. Sullivan had been. It was on February 7th, 
1982, rather, that John L. Sullivan had wrenched the bare-knuckle championship from one Patty Ryan. These guys are fighting with no gloves. This is crazy. (laughs) And begun his decade of fistic invulnerability. The new champion was to be the last of the bare-knuckle kings and to carry the title to the grave, for no one ever beat him under bare-knuckle rules after Sullivan won the crown. This was a time when America was stirring with newfound greatness, and Sullivan made a fitting champion for the period. For there was something about the swashbuckling champ that warmed the hearts of the people of America. Sullivan's swaggering style, the spectacular nature of his victories, his enormous gusto, and the love of life endeared him to everybody. And when as champion, John L. boasted, whenever he went, I can lick any man in the world. The boast was no bigger than the land he lived in. Sullivan and America were prepared to take on anybody, each, in their own way. This goes on to dive into his career. Uh, He fought over 200 exhibitions before ever going pro. He never got paid more than $500 for a fight, but he was the heavyweight champion for more than 10 years. And, uh, I mean, one of his most famous bouts went 21 rounds. Unbelievable. The the, the toughness and... and, uh, just the fortitude of, of people of past years is just crazy. 100000 total dollars in earnings over his entire career. Uh, unbelievable. He's widely considered the first great uh, heavyweight champion uh, in the world uh, from America. Nuwaz, now ESPN Radio, how about some more hot wings? 406. 888-1029. Call right now. We got another set of them, 11 wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill, celebrating our 11th anniversary here at ESPN Radio. This is fun. Uh, we were watching the Lakers versus the Oklahoma City Thunder last night as LeBron James pursued the all-time scoring record for uh, the NBA. And uh, I, I have expressed... Excessively, probably, uh, my affinity and admiration for LeBron James. But that got myself and my girlfriend talking about um, famous athletes and people we revered. And, and she asked me, who, who would you want to interview? If you could interview anybody in the world, who would you want to interview? And she had not added the caveat yet that uh, I wanted to enter that, that person that I would have to request would have to be alive. And the first person I thought of, right off the top of my head, was the next person we're going to have a history lesson on. I would probably argue that of this 100 greatest sports heroes, that the most reputable and memorable names in this book probably are Babe Ruth, Jackie Robinson, Joe Lewis, Sugar Ray Robinson, and probably this guy. And and Jesse Owens is probably in there as well. And probably this band, Jim Thorpe. This is the first answer, right? When when my gal asked me, who would you most want to interview in the whole world? I said, Jim Thorpe. And she's like, really? Why? I said, oh, man, so many different reasons. First of all, because of his athletic diversity. I mean, the guy was an Olympian, a multiple-time Olympian, He also played professional football and baseball. He was also 
probably of the level of playing professional basketball if that would have been an opportunity. He's widely considered the most diverse athlete ever. He also, though, was such a pioneer as a Native American during a time when Native Americans were as scrutinized and as uh, segregated out of society and just from just the, the, the whole ugly history of Manifest Destiny and the, the conquering of the Western United States and the lost lands and, and so many different things. I don't want to go down the, the road of negativity. But Jim Thorpe was an icon among all Americans, but one of the great icons in the history of Native peoples in this country. And so for him to have that diversity, but then for him to sort of break the mold, I mean, he was he was breaking the, the color barriers, so to speak, in, in professional sports long before we ever saw Jackie Robinson or even Jesse Owens and his great performance. I mean, it, Jim Thorpe is a one-of-one. One. He, he is a true, unforgettable uh, athlete. And uh, so I'm excited for, for this one. I have not pre-read this, so bear with me. But uh, here's a passage about Jim Thorpe. The scene was Stockholm, Sweden. The year was 1912. In the dressing rooms of the Olympic Stadium, some athletes were changing from track clothes to street attire. They had just come in from the field where they competed in the most grueling of all Olympic events, the decathlon. The door to the dressing room opened suddenly, and a tall man entered. He looked around until his glance fell on a copper-skinned, powerfully built athlete. Then he strode across the room and stuck out his hand. Sir, you are the greatest athlete in the world. I would consider it an honor to shake your hand. The big athlete smiled and rose to his feet. The two shook hands, and the tall visitor left the room. That scene has become a legend in sports. The king of Sweden had come to pay tribute to the one and only, the fabulous Indian, Jim Thorpe. The king of Sweden was entirely justified in seeking out and congratulating Jim Thorpe. The American Indian was unquestionably the greatest all-round athlete the world had yet seen. There was no sport, no game he could not play superlatively well. Jim Thorpe could literally do everything. By winning the pentathlon and the decathlon, that is ridiculous to win both of those, in the 1912 Olympics, Big Jim Thorpe was only bringing to a climax all the great things he had ever done in track and field. Ever since the day he had first appeared, an 18-year-old Sac and Fox Indian school from Oklahoma from an Oklahoma reservation, Thorpe had been a one-man track team. On one occasion, Thorpe and four schoolmates at the Carlisle Indian School turned up to meet the Lafayette College in a track meet. The Lafayette coach was furious. What do you mean you're the Carlisle track team? Do you five fellows expect to compete against my 47-man squad? I usually come with only two others, replied Thorpe. We'll manage all right. All Jim did that day was win the 100-yard dash, the pole vault, the high jump, the shot put, the running board jump, the long jump, the 220-yard dash, the 400 meters, and the 800 meters. <laughs> Needless to say, Jim Thorpe, the one-man track team, defeated Lafayette by a, Laf- by a lopsided score. Jim Thorpe was also football's greatest player. At Carlisle, he was the kingpin of one of the most powerful football aggregations of all time. Against Harvard one afternoon in the days when the Crimson ruled the football world, Thorpe, his legs swathed in bandages because of the pounding he'd taken in earlier games, not only scored a touchdown, but also kicked four field goals from beyond the 40-yard line. He scored every single point as Carlisle beat Harvard that day. Against the mighty Army team a couple weeks later, Big Jim received the opening kickoff and sped 95 yards for a touchdown. 
Carlisle was adjudged offside, and the run was nullified. Again, the West Point kicker kicked off. This time, Thorpe took the ball on his own goal line and ran 100 yards for a touchdown. You could go on and on and on and on, but this guy not only won multiple gold medals, he also then played for the New York Football Giants. He was an outfielder for the New York Baseball Giants. He played for the Boston Braves and the Cincinnati Reds. He had a lifetime average of 320 during his big league career. Uh, Football, baseball, and track were not the only sports, though, that he accelerated in. He also was a great star in at least a dozen other fields of athletics. Uh, Crazy. Crazy to think of that level of diversity. Um, But this goes on to say that this book as well as the Sports Historians and Sports Writers Guild of America, voted Jim Thorpe the greatest football player of all time and the greatest all-round athlete of the 20th century. Jim Thorpe, unbelievable. Truly a one-of-one. There's there's no topping that, so we're going to take a break from this for today, and uh, we'll get this thing finished up here uh, in the next couple weeks. But thanks for following along because these history lessons are not only fun, but but important, I, I believe, and uh, also a great refresher for all of us. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, as one of my good friends always says, the, the reason sports are so great is because sports don't matter at all. It, it, it's true in premise in terms of the results and the fun and all that. Is it, You know, it, it's, it's a great pastime. But also, sports matter so much because of their impact of bringing people together and captivating people and breaking down barriers, just like Jim Thorpe did during his unbelievable, unparalleled, one-of-a-kind football career. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio. 11 wings every 11 minutes, courtesy of the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Call again, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029, part of our 11th anniversary celebration. Thanks to the Despo every Wednesday this month. 11 wings every 11 minutes. Call right now, 888 one zero two nine. What's going on the rest of the week? We'll get you all set up. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Grizz Nation's favorite outfitter is the M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. And now the M Store has a brand new location in downtown Missoula. Come check out the new storefront located on the corner of Higgins and Broadway. The M Store in Missoula has been your Grizz gear headquarters for more than 10 years, offering some of the most original University of Montana gear you'll find anywhere in the Garden City. Next time you're downtown, swing in. Come by the M Store today and wear what the Grizz wear. Or shop online at MontanaMStore.com. is Nuwana's Now on 102.9 ESPN Radio Missoula. Whenever you ask people, what's going on? How you doing? Everybody usually says, well, most people, it's pretty automatic response. Good, good. How you doing? Or, ah, so busy. So busy, busy. So busy. How are you? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me, the phenomenon of busyness. And this is coming from somebody that's incredibly busy. Uh, but I'm trying to work on that because I think that sometimes being not busy can be the uh, the moments of true serenity or the moments of true peace and happiness. What I'm getting at here is here's something that I, I've been doing that uh, can really help you disconnect. It's tough because a lot of us, we listen to our music on our phones. But if you can, 
Just pick an album, any album. Illmatic by Nas that we're just playing right there. Reminds me of it because Illmatic is just such an unbelievable uh, piece of art. But just put it in, put your headphones on, and just close your eyes and just listen to it. You might say, who's going to sit around and not do anything for 30 to 45 minutes? Try it. Just do it. Sit there and just listen to one album. Don't change the song. Don't DJ. Front to back. Listen to it. Eyes closed. Headphones on. No screens. See how you feel. I think you'll, at the very least, have a great appreciation for the, the art that you're consuming. But also, I bet you you feel clearer when it's all said and done. Serenity advice from the sports guy here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here uh, on your Wednesday. What a great show. Some of my favorite folks swinging by to hang out with us. Brooks Nuanas, Skyline Sports, broke down all the key matchups in the Super Bowl and also gave you some of the best bets. We also heard from Mike Anderson, Grizz hockey coach, had a little history lesson. Learned about John L. Sullivan, one of the great bare-knuckle boxers of all time, as well as uh, Jim Thorpe, one of the greatest athletes in the history of the world. And we had our ESPN roundtable, the great friend and mentor of mine, Ted Dawson, a guy who worked in Montana for several years as a TV broadcaster, but who spent more than four decades covering the National Football League with stops in Reno and L.A. and Dallas and covered 27 Super Bowls during his illustrious 54-year career. Awesome, tremendous stories uh, from Ted Dawson as part of our ESPN Roundtable. You can find all that from today's show on the Nuanas Now podcast, which is presented by the M-Store. M-Store downtown Missoula, located there at the corner of Broadway and Higgins. The M-Store, all Grizz, all the time. Great place to get all your Grizz gear, so go check out the M-Store uh, today, and the Nuanas Now podcast also presented by the MSU Bookstore located on the Montana State campus. Great place to get all your Bobcat gear and also doing a bunch of stuff to help reduce textbook prices and keep it affordable for the students there uh, in Bozeman on the Montana State campus. Tomorrow, the return of Around the Big Sky and Women's Hoops. Crystal Redpath will be in studio. Break down the week that was, give you a preview of the week that will be. Idaho State, Weber State, they are both in town this weekend in women's hoops. Uh, so that'll be fun. Get another opportunity to see the Lady Grizz. They're rolling a little bit right now. Four-game winning streak. And uh, those two teams are also in Bozeman. And uh, Montana State, despite splitting last weekend, still remains atop the Big Sky Conference standings as well. So we'll uh, give you all the ins and outs with Krista Redpath during hour number one. We'll also hear from Danny Sprinkle, Montana State men's basketball coach. And we'll hear from Riley Corcoran, the voice of the Grizz. And uh, we also have a nice interview with Carmen G. Feller, a Grizz senior basketball player, and uh, just a just a really nice gal. Really enjoyed uh, spending some time with her here uh, today. So we'll play that one for you tomorrow as well. I keep uh, hearkening back to this book, but I just I think it's just so such a worthwhile exercise, and also just so fascinating and. You know, it's crazy to think just how much the world can change in, you know, a a decade or even a quarter century or particularly a century. And and that's why I continue to go back to it, because I I think it's it's first of all, 
worth revisiting, those that came before us, and worth learning about history. It's also just fascinating, the parallels of, of just how different times are and how different our, our attitudes and ability to absorb things are. And more than anything, just how tough life used to be and how people how tough people used to be. And it wasn't that long ago. And I'm sure if you go back centuries or millennia, it, it, it's accentuated even more. But uh, it's just it's worth remembering because I think a lot of times you got to have perspective of just how good and how, more, more importantly, just how easy we have it now compared to uh, those that came before us. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in, hanging out. Thanks to everybody that helps make the show possible, all of our fine sponsors, and uh, especially thanks to the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill for helping us celebrate our 11th anniversary here uh, at ESPN Radio with 11 wings every 11 minutes. We'll do it again next Wednesday, but we'll do this fine show again tomorrow at 4 p.m. We'll see you then. Have a great Thursday evening. This has been Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. I am here with Catherine DeLands of The Advocates. If you've been listening to ESPN Radio, you're familiar and you know if you've been in an accident, The Advocates can surely help you. What sort of expertise do you guys have when it comes to uh, any sort of personal injury accidents, things like that? Uh, It's all we practice. Uh, You're not going to get an attorney who's practicing family law or in court defending criminal cases. All we do is personal injury. We're a multi-state firm, but I'm right here in Missoula. So we have the backing of a large firm uh, with just years of expertise there, too. Free consultations. You can find out more by calling 406-640-4444 or by visiting online 24-7 montanaadvocates.com.